There's a story inside every smoke shop. With every cigar and with every person. Come be a part of the cigar lifestyle of Bovida. This is Box Press. Welcome to another episode of Box Press. I'm your host, Rob Gagne. I'm sitting next to Jack Tarano of the Tarano family. That's a legacy in the business of itself. And Jack is now working with Espinosa Cigars. We are actually sitting back and smoking the knuckle sandwich by Guy Fieri that you guys over at Espinosa are making for him. Jack, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. This is awesome. You were telling me before we started rolling the cameras, Guy Fieri is launching this where? Puerto Rico. Today. Tonight. Today. Tonight. Tonight. There's a film crew. There's a private jet that he has. Private jet. With the knuckle hat, knuckle sandwich logo on knuckle, it. Knuckle, knuckle, yeah, with a knuckle sandwich logo. And him and Eric boarded that plane yesterday along with some other top chefs that, that, that do his show. And, sure. And, and headed off uh, to Puerto Rico and they're going to do, they're filming Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives. So right. uh, he's throwing in this event at Cigar House in Puerto Rico tonight. And I've heard they've gotten like 400 RSVPs. Yeah. Um, so if Guy Fieri's going to be there, I'm going. Yeah. So the, the, you know, we were talking about it a few minutes ago. That it, arguably, one of the most popular guys around right now. Everybody watches a Food Network. Oh, I mean, right. it was surreal for me. My wife has the really? Food Network on all the time <laughs> in the house, and it's Guy Fieri, Guy Fieri, Guy Fieri. Every time I'm home, and. I'm sitting in the office one day in the conference room, and I'm on my laptop, and in strolls Guy Fieri, sits in front of me, and he's going to have lunch, and I'm looking over the laptop at him, and I'm like, this, this guy's on what my TV every night. What is going on? And he's on such right a down-to-earth guy. It was, it was such a great moment, and, and, That's uh, awesome. and we had a really good time, and, and, and he is committed to this. He's not going to do anything half-assed, so, you know. Right. He's, uh, he's got his line of, uh, of, of tequila with Sammy Hagar, yep. Santo, and now Knuckle Sandwich Cigars. So let's talk a little bit about that because celebrities in cigar endorsements, whether they're professional athletes or other celebrities, we saw that boom in the 90s. Yes. That came, it went as fast as it came. I hear. I don't know. I got into cigars. It's still in the being played 2000s. a little. Still being played a little. Absolutely, there's still that. You know, the, but do you think it lasts? Do you think it can actually be brand building, or is it a flash in the pan? It depends. I mean, we've seen it come and go, and, and, and certainly you have a lot of athletes that are popular. You know, listen, Ed Reed, I love Ed Reed. He's, he's, Ed Reed is a friend. Right. Ed Reed is popular here in Miami. Pop- he's got his own cigar now. Wait, I, I, I didn't know that. He has his own cigar? I haven't seen it anywhere. I, I, I see it when I'm with Ed. Um, yeah, I haven't seen anything on his website. No. It's very, like, his website right now? ER Cigars or... So it might not have been released yet, and I wish him the best, but a lot of a lot of athletes that play this, Ditko arguably was had a little success in it because his, his popularity kind of went outside of Chicago. Who? Uh, Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka. Oh, Mike, yeah. Mike Ditka. If, if you're going to put somebody in at least football and say... Football and cigars, Dicka is probably first in the top three. Yeah, l- listen, Jay-Z had a shot to really go big, and that kind of fizzled out. Michael Did he Drew- come out with a cigar? 
Yeah, uh, General did a cigar for him that lasted, didn't last long. And then uh, Michael Jordan did a cigar that lasted two weeks. No way. I was always wondering, how come Michael Jordan has never done a cigar? He is cigars and basketball. Basketball, cigars, Michael Jordan. That's like the three. Michael Jordan, if you look back, to me, that's what I remember mostly about the Bulls' runs. That When he would win a championship, this guy had a cigar, a cigar, a cigar. And the people in the stand had a cigar. I remember watching ESPN Classic, and I was watching the Bulls fight it off and fight it off, and I'm going... What's what's wrong with this image? There's a haze of of uh, smoke, cigarette and cigar just smoke, over <laughs> the, the the lower deck guys, yeah, and yeah, the guys yeah. are in the stand smoking the cigars. Yeah. And I'm like, you could smoke at a stadium. Yeah, you remember you 80s. remember back in uh, the the Celtic games. I mean, it was just they were playing in a haze. Right. Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. This perfect cloud of lustrous smoke. So I, I, I will argue that, that nobody of the popularity of a Guy Fieri has come into our industry. And, and not just because I, I, I think it's going to be great for the industry itself. Not just for Espinosa, not just for Guy Fieri. Not, I think it's going to give a nice boost. And, and a lot of people at the Great Smoke that we were just at on, on Saturday, a lot of other manufacturers were saying that to me. This guy's good for the industry. Like right. he got up on stage and he spoke. He knows what he's talking about. He's been smoking cigars since the '90s. This is something he's wanted to do for a long time, but it's tobacco. His people were like, "You're not ready. You know, don't get into that now. Don't get into that now." And now he feels like he's big enough that he's going to do it. Wow! And I can tell you, I was at at, at the diners, drive-ins, and dives Sobe Food and Wine Festival event. And there wasn't a moment while he was working the crowd and talking to the people and taking pictures that he did not have a knuckle sandwich cigar in his mouth. That guy is smoking. I told, I, I went back and the guy I work for, I, I work with Hector Alfonso. I told him the next day, I said, me and you smoke a lot of cigars in a day. We might not be catching up to Guy Fieri. Really? I mean, that guy never had. He's, he's just one step short of lighting the next one with the nub of the, <laughs> the one. one he's finishing. He's kissing the so, other one. To I light mean, it. this guy's all about cigars. He used to hang out at Churchill's in San Diego in the early '90s. I mean, this guy is when he was when nobody knew who he was. So this guy's this guy's all in. I brought. Uh, by the way, I brought you guys autographed Guy Fieri T-shirts. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. There's a large for you. Matt looks like a small. What size are you? I'm a small. You got a medium? You got a hot medium in there? We didn't make them for kids. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have them made for kids, but you know, this I would just awesome. wash it a lot. Guy, per- just guy came by the office and signed a thousand of these. He autographed every T-shirt. That is so cool. Yeah. Thank you very he, much. He, he was at the the day I was telling you about. He that afternoon, him and Eric went and visited a few shops. He came back. And he said, there's boxes of T-shirts. And he said, uh, he said, Eric, why don't I sign all these T-shirts? And Eric's like, there's a thousand T-shirts. He goes, all right. That's what and I he do. he just sat there and signed and signed and signed right. and signed. Why do yeah. you think he's uh, a little bit better than maybe like an athlete, more popular or something? Is it a different reach because it's not niche, niche, niche into... Sports? I, I, I mean, dude, the guy is the guy is a master communicator. He is engaging. There, there is so much about guy that is. 
you you never hear him stumbling over words. You never that guy always has the right thing to say. I mean, I, mean, I sit there and I, he had a he had a back VIP section where me and my wife were hanging out during that diner's drive. You know, and he's Guy Fieri in the public eye. You know, he's got to be on. And when he goes back there, he's kind of more laid back. But this guy is this guy's engaging to everybody. I mean, there was a guy stopped this car when they were visiting shops, him and Eric, and, and stops his car in the middle of the road and, and gets out and says, oh, my God, my, my daughter loves you. And he, he said, get her on FaceTime. And he spoke to her for like five minutes. This girl wow. crying on the phone. I mean, this guy's engaging. That's awesome. So, I mean, what a and, cool and, thing. And uh, he did an interview with Michael Herklotz at, uh, at, at the Great Smoke. If you watch that interview, the guy knows what he's talking about. The guy knows this is not... This is not some athlete or, or some other celebrity that came to a cigar company and said, put my name on a cigar. So how did Eric get connected with him? So him and Eric have been, have been close for a few years, uh, and they've always talked about it. And Eric, in the beginning, told him, no, dude, you don't want a cigar. You don't want to do a cigar. But they kept talking about it and talking about it. And for the past 18 months, because of COVID and because of the limited time we could go to Nicaragua and the pain in the ass that it is to go there, we kind of were doing Zoom blending. Like we would create, you know, he would give input on the blend, Hector would create something, and we'd send out for like 10 different samples along those lines. And, and it took quite a while to get something that he went, this is it. This is the, so he was heavily involved in, 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 in selecting the final blends for the. Well, you're no stranger to the tobacco industry. Your family goes way back. Your uncle, my cu- my my uh, well, my uncle and my father uh, are the ones that fled Cuba uh, in 1959. Wow. Um, and then my uncle passed away in the Dominican Republic in '70. My dad died in '74. And then Carlos Tarano, who may he rest in peace, just passed away a few weeks ago. I yeah, I'm sorry yeah, to hear he, that. Yeah, he he uh, he took over. And he kind of persevered through a time where you couldn't give away cigars. The 70s and the 80s were wow. not a good time for cigars. And, uh, and he kept the business alive and the name Taranio alive long enough so that I can be doing what I was doing, his son could be doing what he was doing, till the boom of the 90s. But, but he struggled a lot, and, and, and we owe him a lot. And, you know, we just had a real nice memorial for him on, uh, on Sunday. That's good. So, uh, Got so, to see extended family. and Yeah. So me, myself, I've been in and out of this industry for about 35 years. In and it, out? It, well, when you it, go out, what do you do? I did. I, I worked in a, at, at a music house in Chicago with my brother. Oh, my God. This is what I know. So your brother is a famous producer. <laughs> sort of, yes. <laughs> sort of? Dude, you're downplaying it. I love so, it. So, yeah. Sam Lucia told me he's famous my brother had a band called night flight in 1979 and 80 and then members of average white band members of you know he's good friends with daryl jones the bass player for the rolling stones those people have played with him on on different things and we used to use them for commercials so i mean the claim to fame of the the music house was we wrote and did the campaign for real men of genius yeah, the Bud, Bud Light. Bud Light, Real Man of Genius. What is the jingle? What is the thing? What do you mean? What is the Real Man of Gen- Genius? The Real Man of Genius? Well, it started out as Real American Heroes, and it was a campaign created by DDB Chicago, and they came, and my brother 
and another composer wrote the song. We hired uh, Pete Stacker and Dave Bickler from Survivor to do the things. And, it, and if you haven't, I don't know if you've heard them. They're they're they 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 ran for 13 years. It's a legendary radio. I think I've heard that college courses and advertising you are they 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 teach the real men of right. genius. No, it's so it was an insane campaign, and you know today we salute you, Mister Too Much Cologne Wearer, right? And, and and all those different ones. It's and like picking on somebody in a nice, we did fine about, way, we like did about, ribbing them. We did about two hundred and fifty of them, and I think only about a hundred and ten of them saw the light of a of a radio station. But uh, but there were some classics in there. Uh, we, we had a lot of fun doing that campaign. Um, like I said, go back to the 80s. I was selling leaf tobacco here on 8th Street with my grandfather. But although Sam, you and Sam were in Nicaragua together. Sam Lucia of No. Sam Lucia. You guys are in Nicaragua together. You're at a hotel, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of commotion going on outside. So, so Sam doesn't speak Spanish. Correct. We're staying at this hotel. We basically have the hotel to ourselves. Why? So, no it, one's it was there? No, empty. It, was, it was empty. So... so uh, Every night we'd grab dinner. You know, the, the woman that ran the hotel, that ran the front desk, would run the restaurant and, and ran your everything. food, yeah. And the first day, you know, I gave her a $20 American tip. This woman was whatever we wanted. You know, Here we go. It's half a week's salary. Right. <laughs> and um, and uh, every night we'd sit there, have dinner before whatever we were going to do, and there would be... Behind the hotel, it sounded like there was a like a nightclub or a discotheque. We're in a neighborhood. We're like in a right. It it, it didn't make any sense to us. Like what's going on? So the first night this happens. The second night, the third night, which is our last night there, uh, I said to her in Spanish, um, "What's going on back there?" And she says, she tells me in Spanish that the midget circus is in town. The midget circus. So to I, be politically correct, that's little people. The little people, but so, that's what they call it. Yeah, they called it the midget circus. Yeah, they're not as politically correct right. in Nicaragua. But we mean no harm or no disrespect. No harm, no by disrespect. That. I We're got just, many little people that are good friends. Exactly. Of mine. Anyways, uh, I'm like Sam. We got to finish this food and get up and go. He and he's said like, you were in like a like you're like hurry up and finish. Yes. Tonight is the last Tonight's night. Tonight's the last night. No, no, it wasn't the last night. Oh, it wasn't. But they were already in the first. You know, there there's first two act. Half. They were already yeah, yeah. in the first act. So I said, you got to hurry up. And he's like, what? What's going on? And I said, Sam, that music's coming from a midget circus. And <laughs> Sam's like, just Sam chows down, and he's like all in. And then we go there and. We, they, they're like, it's like a dollar to get in. And then there's like 10 or 12 kids that are trying to peek under. We paid for all the kids. You paid for all yeah, the yeah, kids. We yeah, we bought them popcorn. Sam said that. So all these kids, imagine like 20 neighborhood kids wanting to get in the show, but yeah. they can't cover the fare because they're poor. And they're trying to look through cracks and see what the entertainment is. You pay for all of them, buy them popcorn, and they were happier than happy. They were not only happier than happier. I think, even though I spoke Spanish to them, I think... They, for some reason, thought we had purchased them or something. Like, they sat with us. They wouldn't leave our side. It was, it was uh, the, you know, we go in and this place has had, you know, probably a quarter full. Uh, really? th this this t this big top. And all the kids sit all around us. And, and How much fun, though, to be surrounded by kids with youthful eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah To yeah, look yeah. at the circus. Yeah. Now you're looking at the circus through well, their we, lens. I, I, I don't even remember the kids because I was so mesmerized by what was <laughs> happening. It was the most insane thing. There was really? there's one 
there was one little play, I guess, uh, segment of it that this little person, first this really pretty woman walks out, really nicely dressed. And then this, they're playing a love song. And apparently that love song is to win your heart back. He wants to win back her heart. She has dumped him. So this little person comes out with flowers begging her, you know, to come back. But sure. every time he get this, this is what this consisted of. Every time he got within a foot of her, she hit him. <laughs> she would beat him. And then he would go to the ground and this would play out again for the length of this four or five minute song. That was the whole skit. That's it? And then at one point, she comes by us and gets a look at Sam and starts flirting with Sam. So the little person wants to beat up Sam. This is all part of the whole really? play. The next one, that same little person gets brought out. They hang him from a rope from the center of the big top. They roll him up, roll him up, roll him up, and then let him go. And then they roll him up, roll him up. That's all it was. It was kind of things like that. And then, and then Sam and I were, this is the greatest thing we've ever seen. You know, this, this was fantastic. And then the next day, the next morning, Jonathan Drew had invited us with Nick Malello and they were they had just opened up that, that new factory. It wasn't even open yet, but it was built. He wanted to show us. So he sent a car to pick us up like at 8.30 in the morning. We had to leave to, to, uh, to um, where the hell were we going? We, we had to get out of there. We had a flight. Uh, so we had to leave at 3 o'clock. And uh, Jonathan drew the flight. Uh, the car comes, takes us, and takes us over there. So during the course of him showing us everything, we tell him, it's their national sales meeting. Everybody's down there. And we tell Jonathan Drew about the Midget Circus. And Jonathan Drew goes, are you kidding? And, and, and me and Sam are like, it's the greatest thing you've ever seen. So when he goes to the meeting, he, he buys tickets and takes the entire team to the Midget Circus that night. And I half of the team was like me and Sam. And the other half was like, what in the world right. is this? And every time, there's a lot of them that I still see, they're like, it was your fault and <laughs> Sam Lucia's fault that we ended up having to go through that midget circus. And but some liked it. I was like, what, did. what didn't you like about it? It was right. fantastic. Yeah. It was fantastic. So we, we had a really good time. And that was, uh, we went there We went there to finish the, the blend for Sam Lucia's Luchador yeah. uh, cigar. We went there to finish that blend. And the funny quick story about that was, we show up at the factory at, uh, at uh, American Caribbean, who was doing the blend, and at, we walk in the door like it's 7.30 in the morning, and Damian, who runs the factory, he, li he lives here, who owns the factory, says, Sam, I have the blend for you. And he gives, he gives Sam the blend. And we both smoke it, and we're like, this is really good. And Sam starts, all right, but can we tweak it? So Sam tweaks this thing like 30 times, and at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, looks at Damian and says, I think it's the first one. The first one we smoked at 7. And I'm looking at him. You know, after you smoke maybe half an inch, an inch of these test blends that, were, that, that, right. that Sam is tweaking. But think about it. Half an inch times 30 is a 15-inch cigar. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, so by the by the fifth one, I'm like, Sam, what do you think of this one? I think it tastes just like the last one and the one before because the, the changes were minimal, minimal. But could Sam really tell? I think he can. I think Sam's got a real good palate. That's uh, awesome. I think he does. I think, I think I'm could. a little bit more like you. I'm like, it's yeah. good. I don't know if it's much different. 
we were all really happy when he went back to the original because the original was the first cigar we smoked that day and it, it was fantastic so when Sam Damian wanted to kill him, but <laughs> just but uh, say. yeah, Damian we were really happy that he went back to the original. But we also wanted to wring his neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he just put us through torture. I mean, their face at, at, on on you know on tweak number sixteen, they would look at me and say something bad about Sam in Spanish, and then go tweak the cigar. I think at some point they were just bringing back the same damn cigar. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Uh, oh yeah, we tweaked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a lot of fun. A little I, more Seiko in there. Yeah, 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 I yeah, love, yeah. I love Sammy. Sammy's a good guy. Yeah, you guys, you're just a happy-go-lucky guy in general. I am. Every time I, I see you, you're happy and smiling. And If you cannot be happy in this industry, you're doomed. You're I doomed. know. You're doomed. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, man, I get paid to interview people like you to help Bovida sell more Bovida so that more people can protect their passion. What's not to like about this? Everything. But I see the opportunity to see and interact with the customer. Yeah. Why not? Why not let them fanboy out? They love like, your brand. Like, they like come the up to your booth. The trade show. Right. I mean, we got two significant trade shows now with the TP and the PCA. But the trade shows are one time a year or two times a year now where the retailers come to us. Right. How do you not love that? Yeah. I mean, I spend my life. Next week, I'm in Dallas. The week after, I'm in Phoenix. You know, two yeah, how weeks How many after days that? a year are you traveling? 200? I, I, don't, I don't know if it adds up to 200. You know, I, I tried before COVID. I was on the road the better part of, you know, usually it's Tuesday to Friday or maybe Wednesday to Sunday, depending on what it is, doing events. But I, I, before COVID, it was, it was three weeks of the month. I was with General most of the time That's back a lot. then. And now I'm kind of at two weeks. You know, <laughs> two weeks I, of the I'll month? travel. I got two weeks in a row now, then I'm back for a week, then I got one week out, then I'm two weeks at home. Right. You know, but I, I, my off week, so I got Dallas next week, Phoenix a week after that, and then I come back to our big extravaganza, La Zona Palooza, where we invite right. a couple of hundred people. So that's, that's my home week. <laughs> so that's I think I'd rather be week. traveling. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're from Miami, right? I am born in Miami, made in Cuba. Made in Cuba, born in Miami. Made in Cuba, born in Miami. So Miami driving, the first day I was here, I was with Lorenzo, Rainier Lorenzo. Call him Lorenzo, I don't know why. And uh, he was telling me, Cuba, or, uh, Miami driving is a little bit different. It's a little more aggressive. And on our way back, a car in front of us got into an accident. Like a car was trying to come through the traffic that was very thick at a stoplight. And another car came Flying on out the outside, bam! And I'm like, yep. And he goes, see what I said about the traffic? So Miami traffic is fast-paced traffic. And now you go with Sam Lucia back to uh, Philadelphia, PA. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh sorry, yeah. Sam. He's like, I hate it when people say I'm in Philly. I'm on the other side. Pittsburgh. And they have the tolls. And they don't have the sun pass. No. He doesn't, sorry, he doesn't have the sun pass. But they have something, don't they? They do have a pass, but yeah. he doesn't have it. Yeah. And he's driving a Hummer H2. So he's got to slow way down. And you're like, Sam, what are we doing? We're slowing down and paying with cash. I'm buying you a pass. That was me. Yeah, you did. You bought him a pass. <laughs> but what does Sam do? He still slows down. Yeah. And you're like yelling at him, like, yeah. go. Yeah. You got the pass. He was, he was driving me. We, we started in Pittsburgh, and we did events. 
the funny thing about that 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 trip was we had events just outside of Pittsburgh on day one. Then we went to Harrisburg, Beer and Cigar. I think we, we had an event there. We worked our way to, we finished in Staten Island. So I remember telling Sam, listen, where are we going to be each night? Do we want to finish the event and then drive as far as we can to the next event and then get a hotel, or do you want to stay in the town? Sam's like, don't worry about it. We'll get a hotel on the road as we go. I'm like, all right, no problem. I've never done it like that, but no problem. Sam says that's the way to do it. So we finished that first night's event, we hit the road, and I start calling hotels. We're booked. We're booked. We're booked. And I'm looking at Sam. You're going to so be finally, sleeping like, in the this fifth, summer. The fifth hotel, I call. I said, what, what is going on that every hotel is booked? And the woman says, honey, it's the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open golf tournament was in town. So every <laughs> hotel is booked. We ended up at some... At some uh, America's most comfortable, I don't know what it was. Off-brand. It was frightening. It was frightening. They had a, a warning, a, like a sign warning you about don't squish stink bugs. Like, don't squish Apparently there's, stink a, bugs. there's an insect called a stink bug, and if you squish them and kill them, your room smells awful. So like it's like what? if you see one, luckily I didn't even see one. What does we, it smell like, though? It looks like Sulfur? a cricket. I don't know. You don't know because you don't know. Home. I didn't want to ask, but <laughs> I know at the front desk, I'm like, well, where are we, dude? <laughs> this is, what is this stink? Can't you fumigate for those or something? Yeah, Come yeah, on. yeah. So luckily we didn't see any and we didn't have to run the risk of squishing one. But what if I accidentally squish one? Right. <laughs> What's happening? So uh, so that was uh, an adventurous trip. We ended up at Staten Island, did a really good event uh, at Cigar Vault down there and, and I remember, I think Sam and I ate at Pat's Pete. Sam is Sam is a two-entree guy. Sam orders. Really? Yeah, he orders two of everything. So we, we order, he orders a giant pizza and then like lasagna or spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> he eats a little of both and then packs them up and he put them in the Hummer. And he called me like a month later. Guess what I found in the Hummer? <laughs> he forgot they oh were there. Oh my God. <laughs> how did you, a month later, how did you not yeah. notice his smell? Yeah. That bad, huh? You also did some DJing. I did in the '80s here. Here. Here in Miami, I did uh, did a little bit in Chicago, but not not. Uh, I would only really do New Year's Eve. You know, I was hired. There's a place called Tavern on Rush in uh, in the Viagra Triangle over there in Chicago. That's what's the, the Viagra Triangle? It's Rush Street, uh, Rush Division. There's a like a triangle there, and it used to have Jillies. Uh, Gibson's is still there, Tavern on Rush, Carmine's, all these nice restaurants, and it's known for the 60, 70-year-olds, you know, trolling the 25-year-olds. Oh. So they call it the Viagra Triangle, and they're Ferraris and Maseratis, and so they, they uh, so that Tavern on Rush, the manager was a good friend of mine, he said, dude, you used to DJ, and we had all this equipment at the recording studio, and he says, can you DJ New Year's Eve? We'll pay you $1,000. And I'm like, absolutely. And that lasted 10 years. For 10 years, I would go DJ that party. They'd give me $1,000 in cash, plus whatever I wouldn't spend going out on New Year's Eve was was wow. a win-win. It was a, a good time. But here in the 80s, I did, uh, there was a place called China Club. I DJed there a couple of nights. I did uh, DJ at Woody's on the Beach, Ron, uh, Ronnie Wood's place. So what makes Kitchen a good Club. DJ? The crowd, you gotta, you gotta keep that crowd moving. 
Okay, so are you the type of DJ that plays enough of the song to get the crowd going, but then flips to the next no. one? No. You play the whole song? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. I hate DJs that do that. I just went to Why? a wedding. What if, it, what if the song kind of fizzles out and you get tired of it? That's, what, that's a different story. Okay. If the song is kind of fizzling out and run its course. But I, I was at a wedding recently, and he would, he would play a really cool 80s song, a real cool 70s funk song. And the crowd would go crazy. And by the time somebody got to the dance floor, it was some other song. Oh, no, like you can't do that. You got to read the crowd. Yeah, you got to read the, the crowd. But if the crowd is jamming on the song, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay. You can tell when they're tiring and out. And then it's like, but, all right, the, switch that's it the up. Most, uh, of a club DJ, reading the crowd is the most important. A lot of DJs don't give a crap. Really? Yeah, a lot of DJs don't give a crap. You're going to dance to what I play and... Don't, oh, no. don't give me a napkin with requests because I'm not going to play it. I wasn't like that. I'm you saying, take requests. Whatever and you want to hear. People I don't going. give a shit. You know. How, what, what was the most important thing to read, a good, read the crowd and know when to transition? Like, what's the DJ recipe? Like, uh, you know, I, I'm sure it's different now with EDM and, and some of the other music that they're playing in clubs. I mean, but listen, I was playing rock and roll clubs. Rock and roll. So, so I, I was playing China Club, Woody's. A little bit of a, 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 a kitchen club was kind of punkish, kind of um, all alternative. It wasn't rock. It was it was the Clash. It was bands like that back then. Okay. So for the most part, in those places, you'd play the whole song. Now every once in a while, you'd have disco night or something, and you right. had to mix. But you, as long as you keep it popular, and as you DJ, you know what songs fill a dance floor. What songs kill a dance floor? You 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 kind of learn that rhythm. I, I I couldn't even tell you now. Now we have New Year's Eve parties at my house, and I'll try to create a playlist so that it just plays on the thing. And I, it it's it's tough figuring out what what anybody's into now because I'm playing a lot of 70s and 80s and right and and and, uh, and beyond. And I'm certainly I'm not an EDM guy, so right. You know, and then but back in the 80s, were you flipping records? Records. Yeah, it was you, all vinyl. Everything was record. Everything was vinyl. How much equipment did you have to bring in? Oh, my in? God. I'd, I'd bring three or four milk crates full of records to every gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, wow. that was a load. You'd and have how to get many turntables? Just two? It was two. Two Techniques 1200s. That was all set up at the club. Every club had their DJ booth. Oh, so you didn't have so to bring I didn't the have equipment. To lug you had to equipment. bring the music. I had to bring the music. So was that, that was a fun time in your life. It was. Listen, I've... I've had a I've had a really good life. I've had a lot of fun. I, I I've done different things. Lived in Miami in the '80s, which was crazy. Uh, uh, there was a lot of fun going on here. So a lot so. of narco stuff going oh, on. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. The stuff you see on narco now, I, I lived it. <laughs> yeah. Right across the street, Dadeland Mall. Uh, there was a big gangland nar narco shooting in '79. We it happened at this side of the mall. We were on the other side of the mall. And all of a sudden, they were getting everybody out of there. And all it was, it was, uh, it was an, uh, they were assassinating somebody at a Cazzoli's Pizza. So oh. if you look it up, right there. And, and we, we happened to be in the mall as 19, 18-year-olds. Did you ever feel fear for your life or no. think, no? No. This was just kind of like target hits. Target hit. It's not, you know, spray yeah. and scatter and like. Yeah, no, no. Create chaos. It's not the craziness that happens today. It's, it's, it's hey, this guy's taking my money. We I got to take, take him out. that guy out, and they take that guy out. There's there was very little collateral damage. You never right you there. never sat at the table with your fingers underneath it in case you had to no, flip it. No, 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 no. It was a very Godfather. You know when he comes yeah. out of the bathroom and he right. he shoots his guy. That's it. Drops the gun and leaves. 
So now, working with Espinoza. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, you know, in, in 2014, when my cousin sold Tarano Cigars, oddly enough, that day, we were, we, you know, the one thing that was always missing from Tarano's portfolio was a, a, a strong cigar, a real strong, full-bodied cigar. Really? So wow. we, we, col we were collaborating with Espinosa to create a full-bodied cigar. Really? And then the company gets sold the day that Eric and Hector are coming for the final blending. For the final, they were bringing test cigars. So my first phone call was to call Eric and say, don't come to the office today. All hell has broken loose here. Don't come to the office. So when I went home that day, I talked to Eric and, you know, we'd always, I'd always known him. We weren't really close, but... Whatever it is, Eric has it. And I knew I wanted to work for Eric one day. And I told him, and he said, he was like, I think he thought I was asking him for a job. And I'm like, I'm not asking you for a job right now. Because he's like, Jack, I wish I could hire you. I can't afford you. You know, we started like, three years ago. Okay, so when you, when you got let go from General, you called him, and he's like, I can't give you a job right no, now. No, 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 no. This is Taranio. This is the family, 2014. 2014. 2014, my cousin Charlie sold the brand to General. Okay. So basically, we were all out of a job. That day, I talked to Eric. And that day, Eric said, I, you know, I, I can't afford you. And General had not extended an invitation to keep you on. So you had no idea. No, no. What's going to go on? What's going to happen? I actually went to work for a sub-boutique company for Duran Cigars for 19 months, all the time pitching myself to General. You know, telling General... You, you, you bought a brand called Taranio Family Cigars, and there's no family. And my name. You need me. You know, and, and finally, when they changed presidents and the, the new president came in, Regis, I, I, I ran into him at Seafest in the Poconos, uh, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. CI Cigar event. Fest. And, uh, and when I told him I was interested, he's, he was like, you, you want to come back and work for the brand? And I was like... I felt like going, like, where you been? I've been, uh, there's like an email trail of right. me begging to Would be hired. Would you like to see the <laughs> yeah. email trail? Would you like to see my interest? And uh, two weeks later, I was hired by General. So wow. this is 2016, and I'm, uh, I'm off to work with General on the Taranio brand for three years. But you could kind of see where they bought, where they purchased CAO. CAO was purchased by STG. Yep. And then kind of lumped in with General. And they were creating innovation. They had Rick Rodriguez doing things. They, there was a lot of things happening with CAO. That stuff wasn't happening with Taranio. Like they, they weren't were, interested. They in weren't really that. interested in, you know. Why is that? They didn't have the warm and fuzzies for the brand. For whatever reason it was. So kind of everything we would pitch wouldn't get done. And uh, you know, I, they, I, I don't know if you remember the vault. They created these different color Camacho-esque vault boxes red purple green all these different boxes and they, it was a bargain cigar which which did great in rebuilding the uh the foundation of Taranio because Taranio took a hit at retail when when my cousin sold it so this rebuilt the foundation but now you got to build the house right. and there was nothing being done so in my third year I'm still out there doing vault events like there's no innovation so I could kind of see the writing on the wall yeah. And, um, you know, our, our, our year kind of starts winding down in November as the holidays approach. Right. And I only had one trip scheduled left. So I started hanging out with Eric. 
and Eric was like, why don't if you think I, I thought they were going to fire me, and he says if you think they're going to fire you, why don't you quit? I said I can't. I, I got to make it to the end because I get a bonus. I got you know. Right. I, I got to push it as far as it is. He and, and Eric said, I'll tell you what. If they let you go, I can wait till January first, January first, twenty nineteen, to make my decision. But I need to hire a national sales director. Job is yours till your decision till January first. After that, you know. And I said, well, that's not a problem. I'll know by then if they're keeping me or not keeping me. And uh, and I remember in in Eric and I were hanging out. We had already discussed compensation, everything. I mean, I was... You're like making the move without I, I, making the move. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm basically... If General lets me go, I'm not out of a job, basically. So they, they, they contact me and they want to fly me up to Virginia for these innovation meetings with the other branch, Sean Williams, Laurel Tilly, right. Ricky, and then all the marketing guys and all that. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's see where this goes. And uh, we had a real nice dinner the first night. And the second night, the second morning, the innovation meeting starts at 8.30 in the morning. And uh, one of the VPs said, uh, at the last thing he said to me the night before was, hey, let's you and I chat before the meeting. And I said, all right. But everything, it was such a kumbaya moment that I thought, it's not a problem. And uh, at 8.15 in the morning, he's like, we're letting you go. And, you know, it it was heartbreaking, Man. but in my mind, I'm like, all right, I've, I got the job. You know, I'm, I'm going to work for Eric, who I've wanted to work for for years. Sure. I, I'm going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but still, it was like, like I wanted to give I gave him the, the funny the funny story. And listen, all the people at General, even the guy that fired me, we're good friends. Right. You know, to yeah, this day, I mean, he, even though I, I told him off. There, there. We're, I, I called them two weeks later to apologize. We're good friends because not only did they choose that day to let me go, but going on in General's office that day was the ugly sweater contest and the cookie bake-off, the Christmas cookie bake-off. So I'm dealing with all these employees that are in a really festive mood and carrying their cookies in, and I've been shit-canned. <laughs> so, oh. so it was like, God, you guys couldn't have picked a better day to let me right. go, you know? Were and, you uh, glad? Did they want to do it in person, or would you rather have they liked have, it they over have the to do it phone? In they have oh, to. they do. They they will either fly somebody to you, or they fly, fly you. you there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know some of the reps that have been let go. They basically, hey, meet us at this hotel in the town you work in, and they take your car. They take, <laughs> you know, it's something that has to be done in person. You wow. Know, it's a publicly traded company. They have their. Process. protocol and okay. process that, so it that, wasn't that like we want to fly you out here just to let you down no 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 we have no, to do no, it because no, of policy no they had got it they had this whole program where everybody was nervous because it was called fueling the growth where they were going to downsize employees in order to strengthen the company so they nicknamed this fueling the growth and all this came to fruition the week of thanksgiving wow great so, fuel so I'm sure fuel, you were feeling it was feeling. fueling the growth, unless you're part of the fuel that they're using to, to, to Set grow. On fire. You know, so that came and went, and I made the cut. <laughs> I was like, "All right, I'm, I'm good." I made but you the cut. knew about fueling the growth before. Oh you got yeah, fired? everybody did. Everybody was terrified in general. Nobody wanted to be called into an office the week of, of Thanksgiving. So they let everyone know we got to do this fueling the growth. We have to let people go. Yeah, but we're not naming any names. We're, we're not 
that was the process. The process. What a horrible process. And Everyone's then, and then like two weeks before, since nobody had heard anything, they said the announcements will come the week of Thanksgiving. And you're like, holy shit. Or the week after Thanksgiving. The week after Thanksgiving. I don't you're think like, that'd be Damn. A very good. I don't think that'd be my best Thanksgiving. Oh, no. So, I'd be so, like, what are you thankful for? I don't know. I may or may not have a job in a week. But, uh, but, uh, but you know, listen, wait, at that time, a lot of people I loved working with lost their job. And, but, but there I am. I, there's the, the chart, and I'm on the chart. And I'm like, holy shit, I made it. <laughs> I was like, I was for sure. But Wait, you made it what? You made it through? Like I you- made it through. I made what they said. If, if, if you are on the fueling the growth chart, you're part of general. That must have been a mistake. Did they do a fat finger and type in Toronto? No, they did. You know, listen, to their credit, they wanted to keep me on board until the end of December, until the last day of the year. Because if, listen, general treated me. I, I can't complain about anything. Like I said, we're great friends to this oh, day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, dude, they treated me incredibly. Good. And Justin Andrews, who was my senior brand manager, the guy who runs Diesel. And yep. Justin, um, Justin and I had been, they, they, about six months earlier, they talked to Justin about collaborate, you know, select some companies, smaller boutique companies to collaborate with. So Justin came to me and we started talking and I said, listen, Romacraft, Crown Heads, Espinoza. You gotta consider Espinoza. These are the kind right. of companies you should be looking at. Well the moment I went, I left and went to Espinoza. Espinoza moved to the top of that list and we collaborated immediately on that cigar war zone that was the number thirteen cigar of the year in Cigar Aficionado. Sweet. So a lot of people will say to me, dude, you you know, you how pissed are you? Off are you at, at at General or whatever? I'm like, dude, listen, we have a great relationship. If right. we didn't, you think they would have collaborated with the company I went and right, I right, went right. to? We knew you went to Espinosa. We knew great. Move we you knew to right the top away. Place. Yeah. So you know, even the guy that let me go, you think he's the VP of marketing? You think if he would have said, "Fuck," you know, screw Jack Taranio, we're not going to do anything right. with the company he went to. Right. No, it was open arms, and we collaborated, and they came to the office. And, and He's very amicable. Very partner. amicable. And, Good. And, you know, so what's next for Jack Taranio? Um, it's going to be a crazy year. We're in this Guy Fieri craziness of, you know, knuckle sandwich. I've been in this industry a long time. I've never been a part of a pre-release like this. I really? mean, we pre-sold nearly 6,000 boxes. And then the shipping has been insane. The, the, this cigar going out, the, the reception it's been getting out there. And, and it'll only grow with Guy doing events. So, uh, so that's going to consume most of our year. I'm smoking the Habano. You're smoking the Habano. You got the Maduro there. I'm gonna you leave got you the more. Maduro. Yeah. I love Habano wrappers. As does, as does Eric. This is great. Yeah. Sweet. Good. It's got the strength that I would expect from yeah. Espinosa. What about the Maduro? Maduro's got a little more strength. More strength. A little more strength. Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, beautiful wrapper. Some really nice aged Nicaraguan tobacco in it. Um, I mean, I don't know which one, depending on the time of day. To me, earlier, lunchtime, I, I prefer the Habano, but I've been bouncing back and forth. A little later in the evening, I'll prefer the Maduro. But. Are you a type of smoker that likes to smoke something stronger later in the day? Yes. Why I, is that? Every morning, every morning I start with a Connecticut. 
I sit in my backyard, I answer emails, I have coffee at like 7.38 in the morning. And what Connecticut? Any? It used to be Casa Torano. Yeah. That, which is one of the mildest <laughs> Connecticut's ever on the market. Really? It was like smoking air. And then, then why I tra- smoke it? Because it's it just it's a wonderful taste. Really? Yeah. Air has a wonderful taste. Air has a wonderful taste. And then I transitioned to crema, which sits a little bit. Espinosa crema sits a little bit more to the medium side, in terms of a Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, a lot more flavor, a lot more complexity. Which one is this? The crema. La crema. So right behind me on the yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the, the, the crema. Yeah. And, uh, and. Uh, it took a little bit of time to get used to it because I, I I never experienced that amount of flavor in a Connecticut. Okay. You know, but but now I, I you know um, I I think I was re- the the crema put out a little we put out a little Corona size which is perfect when I'm traveling and visiting stores a little Corona is fantastic. Right. I depleted the inventory of Coronas uh, pretty quickly at uh, at Espinosa, but. Uh, Eric gave me a bunch of shit for that. Yeah, I was just going to say, Eric's like, where are all the Coronas going? Jack Toronto, Jack Toronto, Jack Toronto. Why is Corona on back order? Yeah. And Jack has 16 boxes this month alone. So we're, we're gearing up for the trade show. We, you know, we got the PCA. Anything They're, new coming? Huh? Anything new coming? or Like five new blends. Five? We, we have 601 Black, which is a full-bodied Connecticut. Okay. We are going to release every year in a different Vitola. Last year was a Toro, Box Press Toro. This year we're doing a uh, Fat Robusto. Okay. It'll change, just like the Warhead series. We have the new Warhead 8 coming out. We have the uh, Espinosa 10-year anniversary cigar. The, the La Se Provincia, which is the tribute to the original six provinces of Cuba. Okay. They, they have one, the, the latest one in there. And then uh, I'm missing one. Uh, I'm, I'm missing one, but but yeah. we have. I, yesterday I was counting them out. We have at least five coming out. Awesome, good stuff coming. Good stuff in the next coming. few months. We we will have Guy Fieri one of the days at the PCA, so that's going to create a lot of craziness. Great. We're planning. Uh, Maybe we could get Guy to sit down at the Bovada booth. We we might be able to. We might be able to. We we we're going to have a party. We're yeah. gonna have, we're gonna have a party where uh, where where guy will be a, a big part of. Who are the partiers in the cigar biz? If you're gonna list your top three partiers of all the manufacturers in the biz, name them. You mean as a company or as a person? Person. Number one, two, and three is Juan Lopez from Gurkha. Juan Lopez from Gurkha, yes. Okay, one, two, and three. Okay, after that, who's four and five? I don't know. Terrence Riley's doing really good lately. Terrence Riley. Terrence likes to... Like, like, likes to and likes Terrence to is with? Aganorsa. Terrence Riley? Terrence Riley. The guy in the Dockers in the polo shirt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, Jake, He's a fr- Jake from State Farm? Jake from State Jake Farm. Jake from State Farm likes to, likes to throw I down. Don't, I've never seen this side of Terrence no, Riley. No, few people have. few people have. And you say he's number two. No, no. I just said lately. Lately, he's like, you know how the, the, the music charts, you used to have a bullet if you were. Okay. He's, he's moving on the up. top. He, he's, Terrence Riley has a bullet. He's okay. moving up. Who else? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, at Espinosa, we're really, I'm not that. I, 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 I lived that life earlier. So I, I don't anymore? even I don't even drink at events, you know. So, so uh, you quit drinking? I I don't know. I don't. Well, I don't Skip gra- Martin's up there for me. Skip doesn't party. Yeah, he does. 
He's Skip sits in a house in San Juan del Sur and and stares at his pool. I think Skip's retired. No, he's not. <laughs> no, 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 I'm messing with him. I'm messing with Skip. Oh man, you guys. Javi Carranza, that that guy's a partier right there. That's a partier right there. <laughs> He's asked me who the top three partiers are in the cigar industry. <laughs> <laughs> he said Juan Lopez. Juani, <laughs> you got a reputation, brother. All right. We know it. Yeah. From, from Jack himself and as well as the crowd, we got Juan Lopez. That's all we need to know. Jack, um, I want to say thank you for sitting down and making the time. Appreciate absolutely. it. Thank this was you. great. Everyone gets a little... Taste of the Toronto family. Now you're with Espinosa. We couldn't be more happier. We I, could, are super I couldn't excited. be more happier. Robbie, I, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. That's another episode of Box Press. I'm in Miami with Jack Toronto. Empire so, at, at Empire Dayland. At Empire Dayland. This is my locker's right there. Beautiful place. <laughs> we'll get some B-roll of the locker. If you need to keep your cigars fresh, you know how to do it. It's Bovida inside every humidor. We protect your passion. Thank you so much for watching us. Cheers.